Hey, my name is Josh Korak. I'm a mental health counselor in the Northern Colorado area. In this space, I get the chance to interview professionals in the field, talk about mental illness, self-care, and so much more. With this show, I ask you to join me in doing what one of my favorite philosophers, a Buddhist monk, Thich Nhat Hanh, says. Smile, breathe, and go slowly. This is Care with Korak. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to Kareth Korak. This is Josh. I'm glad you could join today. Uh, real special guest, possibly the last guest of the season. Um, I may still try and get one more guest on. He was originally supposed to be my first episode, um, but due to some health concerns, we had to uh, indefinitely reschedule um, or indefinitely cancel, reschedule. I don't know. Uh, but he is doing great now, and um, I've been meaning to reach out to him. Uh, obviously, it took me a little bit of time to get the rest of season two out, so I really appreciate you giving this a listen. Um, I hope the content has been good and, and valuable uh, for everyone to listen to, and so I may still try and get this other guy in uh, to finish out the season since he was supposed to be a part of the season initially, or I may just uh, wait and have him be a part of season three. I think there will be a season three, guys. I already have a, um, a handful of ideas of who I want on the show and topics I want to talk about, and I'm even thinking of some original content uh, to be putting out there and, and to be sharing with you guys. A little bit shorter episodes. I know sometimes the hour-long episodes can maybe sometimes feel like a lot. Um, and I appreciate you still listening to it. I Again, I hope it's been valuable and I, I would really appreciate some feedback. I really want to make sure that this is um, impactful and this is valuable and um, it's not just... Uh, fill in headspace, right? Um, so feel free. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll do my whole spiel at the end of my social media, but please reach out if uh, there's content um, that you think would be really uh, meaningful for you to hear about topics. Um, again, I, I have some ideas of, uh, again, so many things we could always talk about, but uh, this is for you. So I really want to know what you're wanting to listen to and hear more about and learn about and, and grow in. So today uh man another really great guest all my guests are just so wonderful really grateful for everybody for for taking some time to talk with me but today i get to talk with my coworker michelle gaskins um michelle <laughs> is an absolute goof uh she is a licensed professional counselor candidate an lpcc which is like me uh, although she at this point she is almost close to full licensure go michelle uh so pretty soon she'll be an lpc uh, she's working at Surgeon Counseling with me in Broomfield. Uh, Michelle received her Master of Arts in Counseling from Denver Seminary. As a therapist, Michelle considers it a privilege to walk alongside people as they explore their identity, seek healing, and strive for change. She believes that everyone has a story to share and that there is great value in engaging your narrative in a way that is compassionate, curious, and hopeful. Love that. She is passionate about working with couples, seeking to improve their relationships, and individuals struggling with interpersonal conflict, identity development, communication, life transition, self-esteem, grief, and trauma. Michelle draws from a therapeutic style that is integrative, 
uh, and primarily focuses upon cognitive behavioral therapy, narrative therapy, and emotion-focused therapy. She also has a trauma-based framework and has been trained in EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, a really popular form of trauma treatment, which we get to talk a little bit about. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we actually dive too much into it, uh, but maybe again, I'll um, get somebody else on the show later on to maybe dedicate a whole episode to what EMDR is, if that's something that would be of interest. So in this episode, Michelle and I get into everything about boundaries what they are, what they look like, how to foster healthy boundaries and relationships, and how to recognize when boundaries are becoming unhealthy. For more information about Michelle or to request a consultation, uh, visit our website, www.sojourncounselingco.com slash Michelle, or email her at Michelle uh, at sojourncounselingco.com. Follow me at Josh Korak on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube for video clips, podcast previews, and more mental health content. If you are in a mental health crisis, please call 988 or go to your nearest emergency room. If you are from Colorado and are interested in scheduling a session, please reach out. Again, our website for me is sojourncounselingco.com slash josh or email me at josh at sojourncounselingco.com. Man, Michelle is so great. Uh, it's been really fun working with her and, and holding this in my back pocket, just getting ready to, to put this out and teasing her about it. Um, she did a great job, guys. She really is so knowledgeable and so fun. Working with Michelle has been such a joy, um, such a kind, caring, fun person. And uh, yeah, I'm just so grateful she took some time and some bravery to sit down with me and, and put herself out like this. And um, gosh, what a... Can think of uh, a better therapist for for people to have. So yeah, let's uh, not waste any more time and get into it. If this is the last episode, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. And if it's not, well, we got one more maybe. So anyways, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. This is Care with Gorak with Michelle Gaskins. Hey, Michelle. Hey. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Great to be here. <laughs> I know. This is fun. Yeah. Um, well, welcome. Uh, would you mind just introducing yourself for my audience? For sure. So I, my name is Michelle, obviously, and uh, I have the privilege of working with Josh. Um, <laughs> uh, privilege is a strong <laughs> yes, word, maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. It's been it's been pretty fun uh, oh, at Sojourn Counseling in Broomfield. So we're at a group practice here. Um, so I graduated from Denver Seminary uh, with a master's in clinical mental health counseling in oh gosh I guess it was 2019 which is crazy now um yeah, yeah. is that right I, Not too I don't even ago. know yeah yeah it's that was has... when I graduated from my undergrad yeah oh my gosh <laughs> great thanks for that I really <laughs> appreciate welcome. it I'm feeling sure that super really old helped. now yeah. um just kidding we're, we're both so young it's great um yeah and have been working here for about a year now so um I see a lot of Right now, I would say like half my caseload is teenagers, mm-hmm. um, and then I have a lot of adults, young adults, and couples, which has been really fun. Yeah. So yeah, it's been it's been a good time. I still feel like you know, as a I'm still working towards um, L- my LPC, so still an LPCC and getting credentialed. Um, right. So I just feel like I'm constantly learning, and still I'm very much like 
mm-hmm. haven't landed at like this is my exact you know these are the specific types of clients I'm right. seeing it's still very open which I I'm kind of enjoying yeah so um yeah it's been Definitely. really fun yeah and for my audience um an LPCC in, in at least Colorado it looks pretty similar in other states as well it just maybe called something different but um, an LPCC, that's what I am. That's basically the pre-licensure track. Um, so in Colorado, it takes two years to become fully licensed as an independent counselor. And so once you graduate, like me and Michelle, we have to spend a little bit of time getting hours, getting supervision from a licensed counselor um, until we can be our own licensed counselor. Yep. So how far out are you? Do you even know? I I, I, do I not think I have. I know. Honestly, <laughs> I should. I should. <laughs> I should know more. Yeah. Um, I think I have maybe a year, half a year left. I need to kind of double check. Oh, so, so. you're pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, you're about halfway. Maybe. Yeah. More. Okay. A little over halfway, probably. Yeah. So yeah, That's it's, awesome. a, it's That's really exciting. It's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Feels great. Well, cool. So, I mean, you're you're exploring a lot as a as a newer counselor. What are kind of the areas that you are finding you're enjoying working with the most? Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, like I said, I think it's been surprising in a way to see how much I like working with couples. That was just mm. something that I didn't I didn't get a ton of experience. I got a little bit of experience during school uh, with couples. And that was kind of first when I realized like, Oh wait, there's something really special about this uh, that I really enjoy. So that's been honestly one of my favorite things of just, I, there's just something different for me about sitting with couples that it's more exciting. And I kind of like the more, you know, there's more people in the room, often more tension and conflict. And I find that that for me is just, actually really thrilling in a way um mm. which you know can sound terrible because you're like oh i thrive on people's conflict you know well, but, but it makes sense i mean it's just a way where you feel passion you can feel like you can speak into this specific area of life mm-hmm. so yeah i think it can feel i you know it can feel overwhelming but i found mm. that i actually f- tend to thrive in those situations and really right. enjoy them so that's been really neat. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of people, I really enjoy working around um, identity, a lot of, you know, negative self-beliefs and sort of reshaping mm. and reconfiguring um, beliefs about self, uh, especially when there's been a lot of trauma or family of origin, you know, rupture. I think that's something I spend a lot of time working on with my teens and young adults mm-hmm. doing. So I really enjoy that as well. And I recently got trained in um, EMDR. Right. So that's been interesting too. I'm very much, it's very new to me, but I'm enjoying that work as well. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I definitely want to ask you a little bit more about that sure. too. I forgot about that. Sure. Um, but it is interesting that you bring up like, you know, in, in some degree, we're always working with relationships, right? Because mm-hmm. we are humans, we're people, we're always going to be connected with somebody, hopefully, right? Yeah. And so um, it does seem pretty exciting to take a more direct approach when mm-hmm. you have that other person in the room, yes. um, rather than just kind of talking about them in this right. indirect way that you would in individual counseling. So. Yeah, it's a, like a fast track, you know, yeah, it's like right. you can't avoid the issues when the person is sitting mm. right next to you you know which is kind of why I like it there's no bs it's just kind of like the other person's there to call you if Mm -hmm. what you're saying isn't true or isn't accurate from their perspective so yeah yeah what's um what's been the draw to counseling for you Mm -hmm. um typically you know when I talk to a lot of counselors there's always some sort of um personal story there's this personal connection to counseling um would you be willing to share just briefly what that was for you yeah for sure 
yeah, for me, you know, initially I was on sort of a nursing track for school for college Mm -hmm. and, um, was working at a doctor's office and, and really enjoyed it and was actually finding that my favorite moments were just sitting with the patients when I was getting the information I needed as sort of the nurse assistant at the time. And before the doctor would come in, there was always this moment, right, where a patient is sick or going through something really hard. And I found that I would be, you know, really engaged and really wanting to hear more about their lives or really wanting to comfort them or just sit in that moment with them. And I think a lot of it was realizing that while, yeah, I could have done nursing and Mm -hmm. been a great nurse to some extent, you know, now it's kind of like, oh gosh, I can't imagine ever considering that for some reasons, but, um, I can't picture as a nurse. Yeah, I know. No, I, it's, yeah, (laughs) very much. This is the role for you. yeah, Yeah. It's really interesting how, um, once I finally kind of accepted that, you know what, I think watching people grow and change is really one of my favorite things and like mm. listening and just having the opportunity to sit in on people's stories uh and how much I feel that that's such an honor it was just yeah it just kind of shifted things for me yeah. of I really want to care for people emotionally kind of more holistically than just physically mm-hmm. um yeah yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. So you've been working for a while now. You're working with couples. You're working with teens. You're working with trauma. You're working with these all, all these different areas. Um, what I kind of wanted to spend a little bit more time on is this area of boundaries in mm-hmm. relationships. Yeah. Um, because from what I hear from you and our other conversations outside of here is that comes up a lot, mm-hmm. right? Um, boundaries can be such a buzzword nowadays, right? And sometimes it can be really hard for us to define it or to understand what it looks like, what it should look like, what it should not. Yeah. What are boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. How can we start to define this? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, honestly, I feel like boundaries is such a taboo word sometimes these Mm. days because it just, it can mean so many things to so many people. And sometimes, you know, I've found that people, when you say boundaries, even kind of shut down a little bit or get pretty hesitant because they feel like oh well if I'm setting boundaries I'm being selfish you know Mm. there's nothing I can't be selfless or you know really love others well if I'm if I have all these boundaries if I'm just taking care of me all the time you know and it's it's been an interesting thing to see how people react when talking about when bringing up boundaries even in with teenagers with couples Mm. um so yeah I mean boundaries in general I think can it's a pretty broad thing, but just to boil it down, you know, meaning like kind of discovering where do I begin and end and where do you begin? Mm. And it's just sort of what, um, yeah, boundaries are the thing that separates me, my beliefs, my roles, my values, my behaviors from someone else and vice versa. Yeah. What's really interesting to me about boundaries is it's not just any one thing, which Mm. can make it really hard to define, right? Especially when we're using it, whether it be in conflict or outside of it. And um, boundaries can be a lot of things, right? It can be your personal space. Mm -hmm. It could be distance, like actual physical distance. It could be the words we use, right? right? What what are some of the ones that you see come up the most in terms of um, creating boundaries? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think often, I mean, this has really just been a recent thing, especially with a lot of couples, is Mm -hmm. even boundaries in communication, right? Mm -hmm. So boundaries in even the way we have conflict, Mm -hmm. Um, especially, right, even with teens and parents, too, because 
there's often these moments where there is one person withdrawing and one person really wanting to figure out the situation and, you know, get resolve. And often there's just these limits that are pushed and the other person who wants to withdraw ends up feeling very misheard, very disrespected, you know, like a line has been crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I, that's just come up a lot that I think is really interesting is how do we set boundaries even in conflict or in, you know, a moment where there needs to be correction or, yeah, kind of a teaching moment um, between maybe a spouse or a partner or even a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just an interesting situation sometimes to navigate. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting to me. I'm, I'm curious, like, I, I guess, you know, the, the majority population-wise that you're seeing in terms of, you know, having to do a lot of boundary work mm-hmm. would be with couples since that's what you're focusing on. Sure. Um, but for me, it's, it's interesting because I've always approached this discussion around boundaries with family, right? Mm-hmm. Family of origin and um, thinking about, you know, uh, I don't know what the right word is, um, just family style, right? I think of like families that are enmeshed, families that are, um, do you, do you remember what those different types are? There's enmeshed. Yeah, no, I'm like totally. <sighs> that's the big one like, I remember right, because yeah. that's my family. Yeah. I um, mean, or very distant or, um, I mean, I know exactly what you're yeah, talking about, but I yeah. can't think of any of the terminology. Uh, I'll have to look it up and we'll put it in the intro. But <laughs> So many terms. Um, yeah, well, there's just a lot of different styles. Does that also mm-hmm. correlate to um, like romantic relationships? So husband, wife, yeah. boyfriend, girlfriend, partners, um, whatever that For looks sure. like. Okay. Yeah, it definitely does. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, you know, comes from attachment styles. So mm-hmm. what you grew up in and your family of origin, if you're used to being in a really enmeshed family, then you might expect more and be someone who tends to not have as, you know, great of boundaries in your intimate relationships. So Mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, getting a better understanding of what boundaries are, right. Um, that's the easy part. I feel like when it comes to, to dealing with boundaries, like understanding it's one thing, Um, what are some ways that you have been finding, uh, in terms of implementing boundaries, creating healthy boundaries, um, and maybe, maybe to start, cause that can be a really broad category. Mm -hmm. How can we start to decipher what is healthy and what's unhealthy in terms of boundaries? Cause sometimes that alone is very difficult, right? Figuring out the boundaries I'm creating are unhealthy. The boundaries that are being created for me Mm -hmm. might be unhealthy or vice versa that they may be healthy, right? right? How can we start to kind of sift through some of that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, to some extent, a little broad, too. But I think something (laughs) that is helpful, something that I that comes up a lot, I think, um, is this idea when we are setting boundaries, I think it's important. Sometimes people are like, okay, I'm going to set boundaries. And they are so excited, you know, and they go out with this intention of being healthier in their relationships. And then what happens is, I think we forget that boundaries really have to be, so I, if I'm trying to set boundaries, it's my, it's what am I setting, right? I can't be like, okay, Josh, you know, my boundary for you is that you're never allowed to talk back to me and you Mm -hmm. can't do this or you need to do this, right? I can't, I can't make anyone follow a boundary. As an adult. Right. Right. You know, or even younger, you know, a teenager, I can't, there, I can't guarantee that you're going to do a behavior that I want you to do. So a boundary is not something that I need to put on you in terms of 
this is what I, you absolutely, I mean, I think it is different with kids and parents, right? So I'm going to leave that out of this. Right. We can maybe you know, talk yeah, about that. Yeah. That's a little, that's different. Yeah. But, um, but older kids, like, sure, you know, high school sure. age, maybe college. Sure. Um, and starting in right. Especially with, you know, friends, family members or mm-hmm. partners. It's sort of a boundary. I think it's better if we start with what am I responsible for mm-hmm. or what can I do? So it's sort of like, okay, Josh, right. If you're, my um brother and Mm. you're talking you you know come at me in a very aggressive way emotionally or you're talking to me really rudely Mm -hmm. um the boundary can't be well you're not allowed to do that you know it can't i that can be the initial boundary of like hey i'm not going to accept you know i'm not if you're going to talk to me that way i'm not willing to sit in a room and mm-hmm. and take that so you know you. right i'm not going to engage with you in this moment if that's how you're going to talk to me so i'd appreciate if we could take a break and try again or i'm going to need to you know leave the house mm-hmm. or not engage with you until tomorrow and try again or you know it's something that i'm going to say okay this is the boundary is I, I'm not willing to be talked to that way. And here's sort of the consequence. If you don't respect that boundary is I'm going to remove myself mm-hmm. from the situation, but that's still a behavior that I have to do. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? So, oh yeah. I think what I'm hearing is in trying to understand this is boundaries are less about, um, putting it, putting these boundaries on other people. It's putting these boundaries for ourselves that right. ultimately will affect other people, right. but it's not their, decision it's not their mm-hmm. like this is a choice that you're making right to place this boundary in yourself say no you know i'm not gonna be in this physical space with you right. if you're gonna act like this mm-hmm. um it's not saying you know you you have to change your behavior like because ultimately we can't control that right. um but really it's about placing this boundary on yourself and ultimately it will potentially negatively yeah. impact the other person which is maybe the goal, right? So they, yeah. they can recognize, hey, Josh, stop yelling at me, right? right? Stop treating me poorly. Exactly. Um, mm. Yeah, and that's something I think, too, that we think, oh, if my boundary makes someone else upset, then it's not a good boundary or mm-hmm. it's, you know, we need to find, like, a middle ground. But ultimately, we can't be held responsible for how someone else is going to respond to a boundary. You know, mm-hmm. I can't, right, assume that you're going to love me setting a boundary. Mm -hmm. Um, And it most likely if the other person is, you know, having a hard time and is a little more unhealthy in their communication or whatever the boundary is being set up for, then they, you can expect that they're going to push against it or have a hard time with it. Um, And often I think that's a good sign that you're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. At what point do boundaries kind of um, move from this healthier space where it can feel uncomfortable, but move into more of uh, controlling behavior? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you mean like as the person setting the boundaries? As the person setting the boundary. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And that I think that's uh, kind of goes along with what we were saying. It's sort of like when I uh, so I've heard it explained, you know, if we set boundaries in a way to kind of be like a we have this brick wall, right? If mm-hmm. I have this brick wall that I've built between me and others and it's sort of like, here's my boundary, here's the consequences that happen if you cross them, you know, then ultimately what happens is I'm sort of, there's no relationship or intimacy or communication really happening both ways. I'm mm. not willing to receive and I'm not willing to, you know, really input anything into a relationship besides just, 
here's my very controlled boundary that I've set, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's sort just of, very rigid. Yeah, very rigid, exactly. Okay. Very legalistic, mm-hmm. um, very controlling. And so I think a better, some other analogies I've heard is it's sort of like your boundary, um, you know, the opposite of that would be like having, you have a fence with a gate and you decide at different times what comes in and out, you know, what boundary needs to be set, um, but it's more flexible there. It does allow for, you know, relationship and communication and intimacy, but it's not just a brick wall where nothing gets in and out. Um, or even like, this is a little cheesier, but per, per my pre-nursing background, I love this <laughs> analogy and maybe some like science nerds out there will, but it's like a cell membrane. So I don't know if you mm, remember biology, yeah. but it's like you have the outer part of the membrane and the inner part of the membrane. And then there's like things that kind of come into the inner wall and then the cell ultimately decides whether or not it gets even further inside or has to go back out. Mm. And so it's just sort of this, I like that idea that there's just this fluidity to it and the membrane is strong and protective, but Mm. it's also very fluid and things get in and out. And, um, I think like in that same way, boundaries are not meant to be, um, often, I think there's some, you know, kind of other circumstances where it might require that, but they're not often meant to be like a set one time, like that forever it must always be this way right there we need to be flexible and understand that there's going to be times where our boundaries change with certain people or situations Mm -hmm. too yeah can you kind of help apply this what what might be an example of something like this uh that's a great question so um yeah for example (laughs) if you know my oh that's a great question i'm like trying to think of something that actually well okay so if you know, um, if my mom, for example, is really struggling to, um, respect my boundaries, right. And she's always asking for help or need, need something right during the week. If she's always calling me or asking for help. And finally, I kind of have to set a boundary and say, you know, Hey, I can, you know, only help to the extent that I'm available, that I have time, that I have mm-hmm. the energy required to help. And so sometimes I'm going to have to say no. You know, if I set a boundary and say, like, I can only do this thing for you once a week or I can only, you know, mm-hmm. then I've set that boundary. But ultimately, you know, what might happen is my mom might get a little healthier and she might mm you know, go to do her own counseling and start to realize some of her own maybe codependency on others. And if she's able to, if I can see, okay, she's really grown and she's changed and then she's in a car accident and needs my help, you know, for a week Mm. with, you know, things around the house or whatever, it's sort of like, I'm not going to then view it necessarily as like, okay, I need to have this rigid boundary. I'm only allowed to go over there one time. Otherwise she needs to find other people. You know, it's just, and even obviously if she is still unhealthy and experiencing that, there's going to be some changes, but Mm -hmm. that's maybe a horrible example, Josh. But the point (laughs) being that it's like, I think that people, if they're growing and changing and they're becoming healthier, sometimes we can become more lax because that boundary isn't required to emotionally serve the same purpose. Right. Mm. Um, so it's just sometimes even knowing that person and really holding concern for the type of relationship we're engaging in with this person. And if they're actually at this new healthier space, sometimes we can 
kind of let that boundary down more or set a new type of boundary or it just can be more flexible, mm-hmm. I think. You can almost like redefine the boundary. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it may not be serving the same purpose anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, how often do we have to reevaluate the boundaries we have in our life? Are we always even super conscious of the boundaries we have? Yeah, I think that's an important question. And, you know, the way I see it is I think we're always reevaluating in a way. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that has to be like a constant conscious thing, right? Where right. we're like, okay, reassess boundaries, reassess boundaries. But often what happens, I think, is we feel a shift. So if I, um, I think if your emotions in a relationship, if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling taken advantage of, you know, um, those are good signs often that you should probably reassess and maybe set boundaries or be more firm in some boundaries. Or if you have set really intense boundaries and you're starting to feel like, huh, these aren't, these don't really, you know, we start to get that sense that I can let this person in more or I can do more in this situation. You know, I think it's just really listening to your gut and to Mm -hmm. your emotions and sort of that like check engine light of like, okay, I think this is a time where there can be some shifting that can occur with boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. So just, I think a lot of boundaries just require self-awareness. Yeah. Which which is the worst and best part about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, self-awareness is a whole nother discussion, right? You know, the process of, um, growing in that and the fact that it's an always ever going process that, you know, um, however we want to say that, but, um, you know, one area that boundaries can come up a lot in is with conflict, Mm -hmm. right? Um, what are some of the big ways that maybe you see that showing up in conflict? Yeah, for sure. So I think it's really easy in conflict, right? When we start kind of tap, we're past that logic part of our brains Mm -hmm. we're really tapped into that emotional space where we're not able to use logic as much so it's often when we're in conflict especially with like a partner or spouse um we aren't really really honestly thinking as clearly often Mm -hmm. and so well which is just science right because i mean to explain a little bit which Mm -hmm. i'm sure i'm sure you know but just for my audience and we've probably talked about this in a different podcast episode at this point but this is you know kind of those three different areas we have in our brain right uh three main areas we have our prefrontal cortex right which is what you're describing as Mm -hmm. this logical reason-based rational um decision making executive functioning is another Mm -hmm. way of putting it um that's the prefrontal cortex then we get a little bit deeper kind of towards the middle of our brain that's the limbic system which is where our emotions really lie Mm -hmm. um memory kind of takes place um, making meaning out of experiences different things like that and then going even deeper down to our brainstem and our nervous system we get more into that fight or flight reactive um animalistic Mm -hmm. side of the brain right and so once we start to perceive a threat such Mm -hmm. as conflict our brain literally starts to shut down it starts to draw back going more into the limbic system and the brain stem and we stop being able to really use reason once we start getting emotionally higher on this emotional thermometer right right exactly Mm -hmm. yeah so a lot of times what i'm doing is helping um, individuals or you know parts of a couple recognize what are some signs and tells that you are no longer able to access right in that Mm -hmm. prefrontal cortex like you're you're very much in that space of like 
deep in your brain and you're not, you're just not able to think super logically. So what are some things that you start to feel when that's kind of occurring and how can you just notice? And so helping people start to spot that so that then that's, I think often a really good time where I suggest taking timeouts. So, Mm, um, and this, yeah, (laughs) totally. And it's something that, you know, it's not meant to be used as a weapon, like, well, I just Mm -hmm. need a timeout, but it's just meant to say, Hey, I, I feel that I'm getting incredibly angry right now. I can feel the rage growing. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to need to take some time to calm down before we finish having this conversation. Um, or I'm about to say some things to you that I know I'm going to regret. So I need to take a moment. So I think in boundaries, that's a really good way, whether it's you recognizing I'm getting incredibly worked up and heightened emotionally, physically, um, or you're kind of recognizing that in your partner, like, oh, they're, they're very much, you know, going into this fight or flight space. Like we need to take them, mm-hmm. we need to pause. Um, so just taking a moment and saying, Hey, I think it would be good for both of us if we just took, you know, usually agreeing on a time, like 10 minutes to calm down and then we'll meet back in the kitchen and see if we can right. keep talking or need to fi- figure out a time to talk about this later. Right. Because that time length can really vary, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. for some, I know it can take five to ten minutes. Right. For me, sometimes I need an hour to really yeah. reset my physical cues and really understand, okay, why am I upset? Right. Am I actually upset? Um, trying to understand what is actually going on before I can come back. For mm-hmm. So for a lot of people, sometimes that time really can vary, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. But I think that's some you know, kind of a common thing that happens. And, you know, I've been guilty of this too, right? Where we, I'm the person in the relationship that I, I want to like work things out immediately. Mm-hmm. I want to have the conversation, I'm guilty of that too. right? Totally. Yeah. I'm not the withdrawer. I'm the like push through till mm-hmm. the end of the conversation. And so I think we just, sometimes we see it as a bad thing to take breaks or to step away, but it actually can be so healthy because, um, you know, some people really need that boundary of like, I'm feeling really attacked. And even if you're not trying to attack me right now, that's how I'm perceiving it. So the boundary being there to take a time out so that, you know, I can, like you said, I can start to regulate again and kind of process through what happened and what I was feeling. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting process really. Um, and it's it's a lifelong journey figuring out how to do, how to do conflict well, um, and that's what you know. Timeouts are really just such a core skill um, to learn, and and it's it's hard. I mean, it's a simple skill in the sense that it's it's as simple as like, oh, okay, we need to. Well, first we need to agree that we're going to take a timeout once mm-hmm. we get into these high emotional reactive situations. But um, once we take a timeout, then it's, it's quote unquote as simple as just going off and. Um, checking in yourself, taking the time to relax and, and check in and then coming back together to talk about it in a healthier way. But that's obviously pretty hard, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if, if it was as easy as it sounds, then um, we wouldn't have, right. you know, nearly as many of these high conflict situations. And um, but it is such a core skill to start with. Right. Um, and really start to incorporate in your relationships. Yeah, it's a it's a nice one because it's pretty it's pretty simple mm-hmm. even though like you said it, it's hard it mm-hmm. sounds so much easier than it really is right when you're both in those really heightened spaces it can mm-hmm. be really difficult or even when just one of you is you know because then the other one's like no we can we can figure this out and it really can take a lot of 
you know, really standing your ground in that boundary of like, no, I, I really need this time out, you know, and you, and I need you to please respect that. Yeah. Mm. And I think what's so hard about, you know, kind of, kind of going back a little bit, I think I just need time to think about this. Like this, what's hard about taking breaks, right. Is for, for a lot of us, you know, and, and who knows, this could be because we are just so productivity achievement focused in, in America, especially. Um, but just having that space where we're like not if it don't for some it may feel like we're not doing anything right it's like well here's this problem how are we supposed to just you know pretend like things are okay maybe like especially if you if you have to take a break for whatever reason you put a pause in that conversation um and you have to wait like a day because maybe you got in the argument late at night so it's like okay well we we have to go to bed right it's not going to do us any good arguing this late so let's take our pause now and and that pause may mean we we don't talk about it again until tomorrow night Mm -hmm. right um and i feel like it's just that lack of control again kind of bring it back to control um that really creates that ambivalence and that Mm -hmm. uncertainty yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Because we interpret that as, right, a lack of control, mm-hmm. then it triggers fear or abandonment when really it's just a really helpful tool. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, yeah, just the boundary. Right. Right. And and maybe this goes in boundary talks too, but I'm curious to hear what do you think it is about control that we love so much, right? I mean, that's a, <laughs> <laughs> that's a question, right? right? We could just talk philosophically about that for mm. hours, I'm sure. But I think, you know, just even innately, we there's just a part of us that was built to need to, we need to have some control, right? Control, um, I think in and of itself always starts with just like the basic things that I need to do to be able to be in control or be in awareness of my situation, work, job, you know, whatever it is, like we need to be able to get things done and we need to be able to, yeah, just live day to day. But Mm -hmm. then I think there's something about fear um, or perfectionism, you know, things like that, that then really drive control even further. Yeah. It's, you know, just working with clients, I'm sure you see this a lot, and I'd be curious to hear more of your thoughts too, but, you know, I did a lot of work previously with domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, well, both both victims, survivors, and perpetrators, and uh, a lot of what we would focus on is this idea of power and control in the relationship, right? And so after a certain point in a relationship, if, you know, these arguments keep escalating, if it does become start to become abusive, it really starts to focus around um, why is this happening? It's happening because, you know, there is this goal of maintaining or gaining power and control in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, At what point when you're working with clients do you kind of have to say, hey, um, we need to take a second, right? Because Mm -hmm. I know there's, I I don't do a lot of work with uh, couples in general, but I know there's a certain point where it's like, hey, this isn't a healthy Mm -hmm. situation where we can come together right now in a couple's setting, um, because there's domestic violence going on, mm-hmm. right? Is that is that accurate? Do I have an accurate understanding of that? Sure. So are you speaking specifically to situations with, like, domestic violence? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I think often then it does require almost, like, more of the boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not, I think it's 
there may be a time when it's appropriate to um, have them work on things individually first before mm-hmm. they try to work on things together. And then when they are working on things together, I think it takes a lot of um, just directiveness of like, you know, it's that's when you're really directing the session of like, mm-hmm. okay, we need to pause right here and everyone take a deep breath or, Hey, you know, Josh, what are you really, tell me the emotions you're experiencing right now. And almost that's when you're teaching some of the regulation and Mm. like grounding. Um, but I think, you know, yeah, it's definitely, that's a lot about boundaries and timing. And, you know, I think being able, like you said, if you're working with individuals, you know, a lot of that work is really important and imperative before you can even, sit together mm-hmm. with a couple sometimes so sometimes it is needed for them to be apart to to get some basic understanding some basic self-regulation going to kind of remove maybe the abusive situation that could sure. happen in a in a couple setting um before coming together yeah and i mean that's not you know that's really hasn't been as much of my area so right. it's hard to s- exactly speak to but i think in general yeah it's super helpful because mm-hmm. that's probably a lot of what would be required in those sessions because there is so much you know heightened um i mean there's like the trauma history right too and mm-hmm. so you've got the present emotions and the past of experiences and historically what goes down in arguments so you're just having to teach a whole new um way of communicating and regulating and observing it's a lot of Mm -hmm. just realizing that like i have my you know um the basics of eft right we talk about negative cycles and it's and eft is sorry it's great (laughs) love this yeah emotion focused therapy emotion which is great so um, which is a newer newish you know it's a great question (laughs) sue johnson couldn't tell you the you know exact like uh, how new or yeah. dates or anything, but I mean, it's growing. I know yes, that much because for it's, sure. it's exactly. still not as popular as, as fields such as like, uh, you know, CBT yes. or humanistic. Maybe sure. it's, it's it probably falls under that humanistic category. I, I would think so. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, yeah. I mean, it's really awesome because you can, it's, you can use it with cu- couples. That's like her, um, Sue Johnson mm. does a lot of work with attachment and emotion focused therapy with couples um but then you can as well use that for individual therapy as well which is really Mm -hmm. neat so a lot of that um is looking at you know she they basically break it down into like the negative cycle so you identify um this is the this is what I felt and then this is what I did. So I felt really abandoned in this moment by my spouse or my partner and therefore I yelled or I Mm. walked away, I withdrew. So it's sort of like there's the feeling spaces and then there's the doing and you look at for each um, person in the couple, you look at, you know, what they were, you can take any argument or any Mm -hmm. conflict and you look at what were they feeling in that moment and then what did each of them do and you Mm. realize all you see when you're interacting in that moment in conflict is all you see is the other person and what they're doing right I either see my partner yelling getting angry withdrawing you You know I don't exactly but you don't you're not connecting in the emotions Mm. so that's actually what we're often trying to get to is what what were the emotions what were the feelings and then how can we start to do that 
ourselves in these moments is start to realize, oh, my partner actually has some deeper emotions, Mm -hmm. even underneath these responses of anger or yelling. Kind of getting into like primary, secondary emotions. Sure. Right. I mean, yes, absolutely. I don't know if that's how they would label it in EFT. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's all the different terminology, but more so in general, it's just, you know, what are the, any of the emotions and then Mm -hmm. how can we connect in that I I can't always connect with my partner in what, you know, he's doing in that moment and how he's experiencing the emotions. So it's hard when he's withdrawing or when he's maybe his voice is raised a little bit or, you know, that I can't really connect in that moment. But what we can connect in is if we're able to actually both recognize our feelings instead and share share those which is the ultimate goal is being able to realize okay I have these responses and behaviors but what I really need to be focusing on and trying to share or connect with my partner in is those emotions that we're both experiencing Mm. which is I mean that's really difficult yeah um but possible and it breeds Mm. just so much more intimacy and it can really help with conflict yeah and attachment yeah Mm. There's so much good yeah. stuff here. I mean, I, we could just spend hours right. and hours talking about it. Totally. I, I'd be curious if we could shift our focus just slightly. You know, we, we brought up this idea of domestic violence, which is, you know, one form of trauma and um, recognizing that that's not an area that you have um, a lot of work in. What are How else do you kind of incorporate trauma with this idea of boundaries or do you see it coming up a lot with the couples you're working with? Sure. Um, that's... Yeah, that's hard. I think, I mean, that's a great question. It definitely, a lot of times, right, it can be boundaries around, you know, um, if one, you know, person in the couple has Mm -hmm. experienced trauma, right, then sometimes it's what are the boundaries around when that client, um, when that entity of the couple is feeling really triggered or right you know things so like there's there's situations where one part of the couple is coming with their own traumatic experiences maybe yeah. from childhood or, right or, or both early yeah. adulthood or whatever it may be yeah absolutely. or both of the partners yeah yeah interesting yeah so it seems often right that like the biggest thing is communication right we have to communicate when we're feeling really triggered or our needs right and that's all part of boundaries so it's boundaries of when I when I'm feeling triggered or when I need more support you know here's what I what I need or here's what I can't you know receive from you um and it's just again a lot of having to kind of recognize or help a client recognize what are some good boundaries to establish. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm feeling triggered, I might need to take a walk before you know we engage in um, a conversation about even something that's not conflict or mm-hmm. you know there's just different things that can come up and it's a lot of having to communicate <clears throat> about what triggers are there um it's again a lot of self-evaluation um but I mean it's just so it varies so much right from person to person but I think so much of that is connected to boundaries for sure right well because I mean in one definition of trauma we can look at it is it's a violation of boundaries Mm -hmm. right um you know there's there's a lot of ways that we can define trauma and, and 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 one way I've heard it before is that trauma can be 
anything that changes your worldview, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in some ways, it, it almost seems like, um, you know, all the couples work you're probably having is, is some form of post re- post-traumatic stress in a way mm-hmm. or just, uh, you know, stress that um, has had a pretty significant impact on them and, and their worldview. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And a lot Super of that is just helping, you know, one or both people learn or be able to have the space to articulate that to their partner, mm-hmm. maybe in ways that they just haven't been able to yet, even just because they didn't ha- didn't know how, you know, or, mm-hmm. or didn't see it that way, didn't realize how their trauma had impacted them and their worldview or, you know, what their triggers are. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever start to, um, or have you ever had experiences working with couples who are coming in for trauma related things such as like infidelity mm-hmm. or maybe things like child loss or, um, I'm trying to think of maybe more couple specific examples. Um, you know, different things like that maybe. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm. Uh, yeah, sorry, what was the rest of the question? Yeah, definitely. I Just mean, have you had those experiences Yeah, before? even like previous divorce. Um, mm, divorce work, yeah. Right, and so those are definitely um, things. I'm trying to even think of the one, the first couple ones that you said. but um, Infidelity, right, right. child loss, right. um, For sure. addiction in yeah. relationships, things like that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it, and it is, you know it does at all very much feels like there's a lot of, you know, cause often there's so much wounded woundedness and grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can, again, kind of even circling back like with, with boundaries, it's so important because there's just often so much to learn about what our partner is experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you both went through the same loss or, you know, whether one person was the one who cheated and mm-hmm. um, you're trying to repair the relationship and the other partner is willing but still really wounded and they might need to have some certain boundaries around having conversations about it or, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. Just... Is that where maybe some, like in the con- uh, context of cheating, is that where maybe some of the more rigid boundaries would be more appropriate or is, is it still uh, re- requiring a more flexible fluidity sure that's, nature? that's a great question yeah I think you know a lot of times it's encouraged to uh you know especially if it's sort of if it's something that a couple has just not been able to right they're coming to see me or another mm-hmm. therapist because they just cannot work through it on their own right then yes often it there can be times where it's appropriate to say hey you know if you start to have a conversation and it just blows up in your faces and you're not getting anything accomplished in it, just pause and bring mm. it back next week. Right. Yep. And that, that can be a good time to say, we're not going to have this conversation outside of counseling. We need a third party mm-hmm. person here to help us navigate because we're both just over the edge of, right. Both too reactive. Yes, both getting too reactive back into in that, that back part, part of their, yep. right. Back middle part right. of their brain. And it's just too much. And so mm. absolutely that can be, that's a great example yeah mm-hmm. interesting gotcha yeah well this is a lot what uh, you know uh, or maybe some I, there's the timeout strategy right which i feel like we kind of described uh pretty good already what are some other maybe just simple ways that you 
um, maybe teach clients to kind of create healthier boundaries, set healthier boundaries, identify unhealthy boundaries, anything like that? Like what are some maybe coping skills, some some things that we can kind of take away from all this? Mm-hmm. Great question. <laughs> expert oh, gas man. Skins. oh gosh um yes yeah it's so funny i just you know immediately i'm just like flooded with like oh all these clients but also just right. there's so many things with so many different types of scenarios but mm. yeah i think some of the basics that we've covered are you know one basic recognizing when how do you know when a boundary might be or when you maybe need to set a boundary. Mm-hmm. And that's often, I think it's Brene Brown. I mean, this is pretty basic, but she has some Our quote Lord about. Savior. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, Brene Brown. Brene um, <laughs> but uh, she talks about, you know, how we can often feel really, um, yeah, just really angry or bitter when mm. we need to actually set a boundary. And that's a good kind of check engine light sign of like, okay, it, it may not be actually in this moment about, you know, I can sit around and be like, this friend is making me so angry and I'm so frustrated and I'm so hurt, but actually it's like, okay, what can I do? I probably need to set a boundary or if we're starting to feel really bitter about we've been offering someone a lot of help and we're not getting anything, you know, there's just these moments where I think if you're feeling, um, you know, in a relationship, whether mm-hmm. that's family, friend, partner, really hurt or bitter, um, that's a good good time to kind of go okay is this a scenario where boundaries are could be helpful Mm. um and then i think having some accountability right so go see a therapist and talk about what are appropriate boundaries i could be setting or talking with a really healthy friend that you see Mm, that mentor yeah absolutely that you know you see as someone who's really well balanced and Mm -hmm. has healthy relationships you know what do they think about boundaries Mm -hmm. how do they set boundaries or how do they see that you could set boundaries and can you have some accountability for holding those boundaries because I think that's something when we're new to setting boundaries we're not going to do it well Mm -hmm. right it's going to take practice yeah like you said it's really a lifelong thing Mm -hmm. of learning about ourselves and learning how to set boundaries, et cetera. And you can absolutely grow in it and become way, you know, way better at it. But I think having mm-hmm. some help is always a good thing with boundaries because it's hard. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so recognizing when you're maybe needing to set a boundary, getting some help with it, um, like we said, taking a time out. I think um, really being direct mm-hmm. is something that a lot of people, right, when – you struggle with setting boundaries those people often have a hard time really being direct it's sort of like if you could maybe not do this yeah. or you know it's sort of just like hard for those people to so being confident yeah exactly know, being a little bit more sure and that again takes its own process but, right, but knowing maybe, what you need mm-hmm. and maybe that want. means writing writing out like a phrase you might say or Mm. practicing it or sending it in a letter or you know I think practicing um some boundaries or or maybe creating a few phrases of words you might use or language you might use around sharing a boundary with someone can be really helpful right practicing is good Mm. um it's yeah it's hard I'm trying to think oh well those are all great yeah that's great yeah 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 keep it bite-sized but right. yeah i mean we definitely could talk Some about starting this things for for a long time oh sure yeah yeah well i mean this has been great I and mean, like you said we could probably talk more and more and i but 
Yeah. Know. Well, I respect your time. We're For coming sure, up at the end same. of the hour. So um, what are uh, some words of wisdom? I always like to ask my guests mm-hmm. this at the end. What are just some words of wisdom that you'd like to um, pass on to my audience? Maybe, maybe around this topic of boundaries. Hmm. Man, that's a hard one. He's really springing this on yeah. me. I didn't have any time to think. I know. <laughs> uh, words of wisdom, especially around boundaries. I think, you know, I I personally even was a chronic. I mean, this was something I really struggled with mm. growing up as a teenager in college. I mean, I I didn't realize it, but that was a huge area of my life that I had to, like, have a basically a crash course in mm. boundaries at some point where everything just yeah it just fell apart because I had no boundaries um so I would just say you know words of wisdom is you are as cheesy as it sounds like you are worth um about like setting boundaries mm. you are your time your energy your health um, your emotions your spirituality your you know, your body is all um, valuable and worth setting boundaries around and having boundaries for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is both like, I think our boundaries help our service and our mm. relationship and love for others become even more healthy and solidified and strong because we actually are healthy people in relationships and healthy individuals. And so, um, yeah, especially if you're someone who just is sort of like the bleeding heart, I say, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, that's incredible. And that's a gift being a, a very deeply empathetic human who cares about so many people. That is such a gift and it comes with a lot of responsibility. And yeah. I think the best way to help, um, you know, manage that or, really use that gift well is through boundaries Mm. so yeah that's what i would say well said thanks all right thanks michelle really appreciate it of course appreciate your time it's been super fun thanks for having me Mm -hmm.